Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Great to be back. Uh, we had a good time. Loads and loads of people in our house over the course of the last month. Uh, and we're already gearing up with all sorts of different stuff for Caleb. It's already taking place. And we're now planning for next month because uh, my friend Ken and I go back to Africa on the 3rd of February uh, and come back on the 20th. Appreciate your prayers there. We're going to go to three countries, Tanzania, Zambia, and South Africa. We're going to be starting three new Caleb courses while we're there and supporting the strengthening of others as well. So appreciate your prayers. And I come back here, I think, a few days after I return. So I'll be able to tell you a little bit about what God did on that time. But I want to share this morning on the subject, as you can see on the screen, the, the pathway to maturity. Let me just open with a story that my daughter sent me yesterday. <clears throat> she said, uh, in, the, in this article, it talked about the fastest growing church in the world. And I was amazed when I found out where it was. It's in Iran, would you believe? In the underground church of Iran, where there's immense persecution, and yet the church is growing in very uh, different ways to the way that the church would grow here in the West, where it's all above ground there, it's all underground, a bit like China was and probably still is in many parts as well. But uh, the emphasis that they put is on making disciples, and they try to make disciples even before the person's converted, in the sense that they build a bridge of relationship and win the hearts of the person to themselves and then they believe on the back of that, in the shared values that they exhibit, the person gets born again. And the church is strengthening because they found that if the person was just brought into a conversion, say this prayer after me kind of approach, which works of course here in the West, but there the persecution would be so strong that they would fall away. They had to become disciples. They had to fall in love with Jesus. They had to come to this point of being so grateful for his salvation that they were passionate to serve him, even though it meant probably death, premature death for many of them. One of their leaders was sent to America for some years. And when they got there, they went to the church, and they went along to the, the meetings and so on. And this leader, and by the way, most of the leaders in the Iranian church are, are ladies, praise God for women, eh? And she went along to the church in America, and she was amazed, because she found that even amongst the leadership, even amongst those mature Christians, supposedly, most of them were asleep. She said, there's such a sleepy spirit upon the American church. And she said, I'd rather go back to Iran well, I may well die prematurely and get persecuted because there's so much more passion there. I was amazed that she would even come back and risk her life because she couldn't put up with a sleepy church in America. I'm sure she'd probably find a similar experience here in the UK if she came here. And it really shook me, and I thought, Lord, as somebody who's responsible for helping training leaders to build these kinds of churches we all dream about, it was a shock to my system, and I thought, I need to preach on that to myself primarily, and then to those whom God lays upon my pathway. So I thought I'd share on the pathway to maturity this morning. And you may recognize that picture if you came to the weekend away. It was the one I used then, because the Lord, uh, through another prophetic word that uh, Stephen Wood shared with me some, some months back, there was a prophetic word about choosing the, the, the different pathway that would lead to life. 
And there was the choice, the, the kind of crossroads, you might say, of pathways. And I believe the Lord wants to, to remind us and rekindle what was shared on that weekend and what the Holy Spirit is birthed amongst us as a church about entering this new era. It means men and women like us having to make choices about which pathway we're going to tread. Are we going to tread the well-worn pathway of wholesome Christianity in, in the West? Or are we willing to take, take the pathway that is costly, the pathway that's the narrow way, the pathway that makes Jesus Lord of all, the pathway that embraces suffering if necessary in order to reach the goal of the upward calling of Christ Jesus? What is our passion, our heart? I believe we need to become aware of the need to transition from a place of, as this lady described, of sleepiness, of being comfortable about just going through our emotions and even our nice Christian uh, practices of, of reading the Word and prayer, which obviously is fantastic and right. But if that's all we've got, we need a lot more, don't we, to get to this place of full maturity. And I just want to use a slide I've used before just to give us a sense. Actually, this clicker has decided not to work. Do you want to do my clicking for me, bro? <coughs> See if it works now. No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, I'll just um, talk about the slide. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the slide basically, oh, here we go, is called the power of awareness in personal development. And so you get these titles here, unconscious, conscious, immature, mature. And we all start there, blissfully immature and unaware of its effects. So a person in this particular box is not aware that they're immature. They may be asleep, as it were, or they may be just a baby Christian, and they're just going through their baby Christian ways, and they're unaware of the effects. They could be somebody who exhibits the flesh and exhibits selfishness and exhibits pride and stroppiness and so on, and they're unaware of its effects. And then the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they start getting discipled, and they flow into that box. Alarm sets in when you realize how immature you are. And I'm hoping... That tonight, today, the Lord is going to quicken our hearts, make us alarmed at an area of our lives that needs to change. Because unless we get alarmed, we're not going to change. What happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached? They were cut to the heart. And it's only when they were cut to the heart, in other words, when they got alarmed, that they could do something about it. And they cried out, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter then leads 3,000 souls into salvation because of the awareness factor. And so I'm believing that this morning we can all, and I'm speaking very much to myself too, coming to a place where we become more aware of maybe areas of our lives that are still immature and that we need to grow and walk this pathway to maturity. Once that happens, the next thing happens. We become conscious of increasing signs of maturity and we start making progress. In other words, because we were alarmed, because we've cried out to the Lord, the Lord's given us grace and we're now beginning to work towards that pathway of maturity. We are conscious of increasing signs of, of maturity. We're biting our lip. We're walking in the opposite spirit. We're going out of our way to love somebody we wouldn't ordinarily love. And we start to think, wow, things are beginning to change. I'm, I'm happy with this. Eventually, when you get to the point of maturity, you reach that one. You automatically live like a mature Christian. You don't even realize you're doing it. It just happens naturally. 
And that's what the men and women who you admire and love, you realize that they're that kind of people. They just automatically exude Jesus. They automatically live for God's glory. They're not perfect, of course, but they, they, even their imperfections are transparent, and you realize that they, they're imperfect, but they're looking to Jesus to even sort those things out as well. There's something about them that is attractive because they've tread the pathway towards maturity. Now, how do you get there? Well, it's the fruit of the cross. When we come to a place where we're willing to nail the things that we become aware of to the cross, then things can start to change in our lives, and we can begin to walk the pathway to maturity. That's what God is calling you and me as a church, us this morning, to walk the pathway to maturity. Now, anything that is motivated by self-interest and which therefore originates from man is an example of no maturity. Okay? And we can easily do that. We can make Jesus Lord of some things, but he's not Lord of these things. And these areas, well, they're mine. I look after those things. Jesus, he's looking after these things. That's okay. And that shows us areas, pockets of immaturity. So another, other examples of that is, is, is things that we do which you could put under the banner of dead works. Can you remember in uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 6, the writer there says we're going to try and move on from these elementary doctrines, the first one being repentance from dead works. You know, it's so easy as Christians to engage in dead works. <clears throat> Even just faithfully turning up to a meeting and sitting there with your backside on your seat, as we've all do done, and I was doing it just now, if that's all it means to be a Christian, I go to church on a Sunday, therefore I'm okay with God, therefore I'm a mature Christian, we're kidding ourselves. It's just dead works. Because just turning up, just going through the motions, just doing the Christian thing is not good enough. That's not the works of Jesus. It's obviously great to be in the church, and it's the right thing to do. But once we're here, we should engage as the people of God with what the Holy Spirit's doing. So just turning up to a meeting doesn't constitute the fact that we're in maturity. Performing a role or even having a position in the church of itself isn't a sign of maturity. You might be called elder, deacon, youth worker, men's ministry worker, whatever it might be, whatever my title is, if that's all it is, it's just a position. And a position carries no influence. It carries no authority. The authority comes from who I am in Christ and for the maturity that my heart exhibits. And then that becomes good works rather than dead works. If I just go through the motions, it's just dead works. Even preaching, even doing what I'm doing now, unless I'm doing it under the anointing of the Spirit, it's just dead works. Wow, I've seen that before. I'm a, I'm a school teacher by profession. I can do this stuff. In fact, yesterday we did, we did a four-hour session of Caleb in our house. And beforehand, I was in my bed really worried. Do you know why? Because I know I could just do it of my own self. I got that ability to teach. So I, and I've taught that topic probably a hundred times. And I was crying out to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to just perpetuate this thing of delivering a module. And I can even do it with some passion as well. But that on itself 
is just dead works in us. It's ignited by Jesus and by his Holy Spirit. And I was crying out to the Lord, I don't want to go in that room, Lord, until you anoint me with something fresh from high. And by, the, by his grace, he did. Probably preached the best or taught the best version of that module yesterday because I came to that place where I wasn't happy just to go through the motions. I didn't want to perform dead works anymore in that area. So preaching, teaching, even praying in a certain way. You know, some churches you go to and people like to pray out in certain ways, don't they, and for certain lengths of time. I was brought up in a brethren church and they like to pray in Shakespearean English. And the more thys and wherefores and those they put in, the more impressive it seems to sound. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Dead works, okay? Impressing people with your perceived skills and knowledge and opinionating about this and that and the other, even if it pertains to church things, of itself, it's dead works. Nothing wrong with having knowledge, nothing wrong with having skills, of course. But it's the motivation of the heart that dictates whether those areas are mature or immature. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to bring some awareness today about what is immature in our hearts. Having head knowledge that doesn't touch and affect the heart and, and teach the heart to rely on Jesus is dead works. I could go on and on and on. Let's give you some examples of what may constitute Christian growth then. Well, the fruit of the Spirit, I believe, is the acid test of true spiritual growth. It's evident when we display the same essence and substance as the vine in the fruit that our branch bears. You see, Jesus, as you remember in John 15, is spoken of as the vine. We are his branches. We are connected to him, and branches can only bear fruit if they receive the sap from the trunk of the vine. So if my fruit is bearing the same quality of uh, of manifestations of Jesus that is the same as what's coming out of the sap, then I'm bearing good fruit. If what I bear is not like Jesus because it's full of pride or it's full of arrogance or it's full of brokenness in a, in a negative sense or insecurities or, 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 or shame or whatever it might be, it's not coming from the vine. It's coming from me. And that isn't good fruit. So true Christian maturity is an exhibit of fruitfulness, such as what you read in Galatians 6 concerning the uh, fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things which evidence the fact that our lives are exhibiting Jesus and His grace. Growth is in evidence when we respond with a meek heart that yields to the dealings of the pruning knife without taking offense. If you read that particular passage, you'll remember that it talks about all the branches are bearing fruit, I prune, my father prunes. And so pruning can come through the brethren, it comes through our relationships. Last time I spoke, I spoke about a baptism of suffering, if you remember. And God uses relational suffering, in inverted commas, to prune us, to shape us, to refine us, to make us bear more fruit for God's glory. Are we willing for that and to do that we have to immerse ourselves in the very heart of the church and stay there stay in our small groups even though it might hurt because there's a pruning going on and then we yield and that shows maturity taking place someone is growing when they place themselves with an open heart in a context to receive discipleship 
Are you willing to be discipled? Are you willing to be part of a small group that will disciple you? Are you willing to <clears throat> go to your comfort zone, as Ben was sharing earlier about this new move that you have towards evangelism? That is showing Christian growth when we are willing to put ourselves in whatever context is needed to create those uh, opportunities for discipleship. Rapid growth occurs when someone falls in love with Jesus on a daily basis through intimate communion. We can see maturity in someone when they endure periods of suffering within their relationships and become more Christ-like. Maturity is seen when someone makes sacrificial decisions to build Trinitarian community with those within their small group. Whatever it takes, I'm going to be part of a process with you, my brothers and sisters, to bring heaven to earth, to bring the community of oneness and love that's amongst the Trinity into our group. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to do that. When you get that passion, that single-mindedness, that revelation of what Jesus wants, and you start exhibiting it, you're starting to show maturity. Those who develop a well-rounded soul, who become pleasant and easy to flow with, showing a balance of strength and meekness, are exhibiting the maturity that Jesus spoke of. And isn't it interesting, you don't have to have a degree to be that kind of mature person. You don't have to be a theologian to, to exhibit that kind of maturity. You don't have to have special knowledge or be educated or intelligent or whatever it is. This is for everybody. This is for the meek. This is for the childlike. This is for those who are broken before God who say, apart from you, I can do nothing, Lord. Those kinds of people start to exhibit a maturity that is of Christ. So let's now look at the process and the pathway to Christian growth and maturity. We need to be moving in our hearts, in our passion, in our desire from being just a spiritual spectator to a player. Have a look at this little chart here I produced. Here's the difference between a spectator and a team player. And relate it, or relate it I should say, to your own heart and situation. So we've got a spectator and a team player. Spectators passively watch and observe. Team players actively participate and does something. Okay, think of church now. Spectators committed to attend when convenient and supports verbally. Whereas team players are committed to take responsibility to present and be prepared to play a part. Can you see where this is going in terms of our heart towards saying, Lord, I want to stretch into stopping just being a passive spectator to somebody who actually starts making a contribution towards building up the body of Christ? Spectators involves just a portion of life. I go to church when I feel like it. Team players involves the whole of life. Spectators just have to turn up, sit down, and cheer. Team players require discipline, sacrifice, and the development of skills. Spectators can talk a good game. Team players being developed to play a good game. Spectators are part of a crowd that little is expected of, so remains mediocre. Team players, members of a team, and therefore mentored and coached for greatness. 
You see, what kind of person do you want to be when it comes to your relationship to Jesus and your commitment to this church and the vision of this church to enter into a new era and to walk a new pathway? Are you a spectator? I'll see how it goes and watch how it goes. And if I don't like it, I'll vote with my feet. Or are you a team player that says, I'm, count me in. I don't care what it means. Even if I get kicked in the shins while I'm in the game, I'm still going to keep running. I'm still going to go forward. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to read what I need to read. I'm going to pray. I'm going to find Jesus in all these areas that I need him to enable me to walk this pathway. That's what we're looking for. And that's what God is looking for. You know, there's, in the Greek language, there's a number of words used to describe children or sons and daughters. And so I'm going to show you a few amusing little slides now to illustrate my point. I'm going to use my, son, my grandson, Ben, our first grandson. And uh, there he is uh, at about, I don't know, 30 minutes old, I think he was there. And uh, scripture like, newborn babes long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now, the Greek word for a little baby is nepios. Maybe they get the word nappy from it. I don't know. But um, nepios, it speaks of a little tiny newborn baby child. And we all love that. And we've all been that both physically and spiritually. We were all nepioses, if if there is such an expression, at one point in our lives. And as nepioses, we like to be all coached up in Nanny's blanket, as you can see him there. Again, I think he was about three or four hours old at that point. And that's great, isn't it? <clears throat> when somebody gets born again, first of all, we, they need a lot of coaching, and they need their nappies changing, and they need all sorts of things to enable them to feel good and to stop screeching and crying. And uh, there he is. I'm always a good boy when you give me what I want. So there he's getting his bottle and he's smiling away because he's being fed because he's an epios. And we understand that. And nobody thinks you should be feeding yourself when you're an epios because that's what epioses do. That's what little babies do. And in the same context as Christians, we need to be, have that same heart and compassion and servant-heartedness towards those who are just born again because they're epioses. They're going to cry and screech unless you feed them nicely. Make sure the sermon's nice and understandable and the words are quite easy to understand because they're epioses. Okay? Now that you've fed me, changed me, cuddled me, given me my nice toy and rocked me to sleep, I'll sleep nicely and not complain. That's what nepioses do, don't they? So that's why we need discipleship groups. We need alpha courses. We need all this sort of thing enable, to enable the nepios uh, sons and daughters amongst us to feel comfortable. But of course, if they stay like that, then in the natural, we'd be very worried, wouldn't we? We'd be rushing to the hospital because they can't stay a nepios. They've got to transition to the next stage, which is what they call a pedion. Okay, that's the other Greek word for the word child or or uh, son or daughter. And this is the Ben's first taste of solids. This tastes strange, I'm sure he was thinking, but I'm willing to give it a go. So when you get to this stage of spiritual growth, you're willing to explore through things. You're able to take a little bit more than just all the fuss and the cuddles and the, the milk. You're ready for a bit more solid food. And uh, there's a scripture there, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. However, this scripture is a bit of a warning. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. 
And you see, we sometimes find in the church that we want to take people from babyhood into toddler age in terms of spiritual growth, but they're not ready for it. They're still complaining for their bottle. I'm still, you haven't changed me yet. I, where's my toy? Oh, if you haven't got that toy, I'm going to throw this one at the pram. You know, people get, and we think, oh, goodness me, we want to make you have a little bit more responsibility because you're growing up a bit now. And then... Eventually, there's Ben <coughs> practicing preaching to Nanny <coughs> in our front room. He's become what the Greek word technon, okay? To all who did, did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The word children there is technon in the Greek language. And it means somebody who is now beginning to progress further. Not just from babyhood, the nepios or the padion, but now this one's coming into another phase, almost like... A, a teenager ability or a 10 to 14, 15 year old ability. I used to teach kids and I used to love teaching them when they got to year five and six. Because year five and six, they were, they were old enough to be independent and get on with their work, but young enough not to be stroppy teenagers. So that's a technon, okay? And when people in church get to a technon stage, we rejoice. But the, the, the sad reality is the majority of us don't progress back past the technon stage. Even when we grow to a place where we can get involved in things. <clears throat> yeah, he, he's a deacon, technon, okay? Yeah, he's, he's, he's starting or she's starting to, to sing in the worship, technon. But if, if you look at their lives, oh, their lives are a bit of a mess. Oh, you can't lean on them in that area because they're still immature. There's still a process for them to get to. And sadly, in my experience, people stop at this stage. And Ben was great. You should see the video. We've got a video of him preaching this sermon on Jonah. And uh, he goes for it. But he's just play acting. He's not a real preacher. But he's going for it. And you're encouraged because he's moving forward. But then there's Ben about uh, a month ago, I think that was taken. The 14-year-old leader leading fire starters in worship. He's got this young... A teenage group, and he's the worship leader in that group. And he's going for it, you know. And uh, this, this title for the, uh, the Greek word for son or mature child is huios, huios. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are huios of God, sons of God, yeah? So this word huios indicates being somebody who is led of the Spirit, somebody who is reliable, somebody you can put weight on, somebody who's going to start influencing people because of their example themselves. They're buildable upon. They're the people who's going to take the vision into the next level. They're people who will carry their cross daily. They're people who rely upon the Lord and not themselves. They've developed into maturity. And so my passion for us this morning is for us to get to a place where we progress towards being huios. Now, on one hand, we're already born again as huios because we are the sons of God, the daughters of God. Hallelujah. And, and, and so that's our identity. That's built into us by spiritual DNA. We are huios. We can be that kind of person. But sometimes, because of our unbelief, because of our woundedness and whatever it might be, we, we don't believe we are that kind of person. And so we act like a nepios child or a Padeon child, or a Tenknon child, and we don't act out what we are, because we don't believe we are who we are. But God this morning says, come on, you're all huios, but you start, need to start living out who you are, and start and refuse to get involved in all those other premature stages. 
So on the one hand, that's who we are. On the other hand, we have to be realistic and think, well, I am a nepios. I do throw my toys out of my pram if somebody upsets me, and so on and so forth. So if that's who you are, you need to recognize that today, not go to sleep on me, and I can see people who are, whose eyelids are floating a little bit here, okay? And to say, look, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to be the man, the woman of God that I'm called to be. And I'm going to transition from Nepios to Huios, because that's what God's calling is on my life. Now, in biblical days, a son could only receive his identity and inheritance once he had reached an age and become a huios. Now, I believe 14 was about the age in the Jewish male life that they were considered to be a man. So Ben is a man. He's just become a huios, you might say, because he's a 14-year-old there from the Jewish point of view. Until then, until that point, he's just like a slave, not enjoying an inheritance. The Israelites had to immerse into the Red Sea in order to change their identity from slaves. So can you remember, they were there in, the, in Egypt as slaves. They had to pass through the Red Sea in order to get into their place of identity. They were the people of God, not slaves to Egypt and Pharaoh. And something had to happen to get them from one place to the other. We need an immersion experience. I want to be immersed into the grace of Jesus. I want to be immersed into the revelation of the Spirit of God. I want to be immersed into the love of my brothers and sisters. I want to be immersed into discipleship. I'm going to even immerse into suffering if that's what it takes. Because I don't want to stay in Egypt. I want to get into my promised life. That's what God's calling us to. And so that's what happened to those guys in Egypt. They had to go through the Red Sea. Forty years later, they came to the brink of the River Jordan. They had to immerse again to get into their promised land. And so you can see the principle I'm saying here. We have to go through a process to go from one stage to another. Are we willing? Are we committed to doing what it takes to get there? We have to come of age by immersing ourselves in the processes of growth and maturity to find a new identity. After his baptism, God said that Jesus was his beloved son, yeah? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And the dove settled on his shoulder. Now, the word used there is huios. Do you realize that when God spoke of his son prior to that, he never used the word huios? I'm not a Greek student, but I, I've been doing some research on this stuff. And, and the word huios was only granted to Jesus at that point in time. And that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Was he God's son before this announcement? Of course he was, yes. But not this kind of son. As soon as Jesus had immersed and came out of the water in his baptism, he went into the wilderness of suffering for his identity to be tested. You see, when we are in this place of getting to a place of maturity, there's always a cost involved. That's why Jesus said, you know, count the cost before being my disciple. There's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be some suffering to endure. There's going to be some cost that I have to count in order to get into that place of being a hui or son or daughter. And God's calling us today, and he's saying, he's saying, look, there's a line. Step over the line. I better not do it now, would I? But step over the line because... When you get over that line, when you pay the price, when you're willing to do what it takes, 
a whole vista of opportunities going to open up to you. Interestingly, with Ben, he is only 14, bless him, and he's already been invited to be the, the worship leader at Firestarters. He's already writing lots of songs and they're playing them in his church. And, and all things are opening up to him because he's a huios. And things start opening up to you when you get to this place of maturity. You stop just coming to church or going to church or sitting there thinking, oh, is he going to finish now? Blumenek is 5 to 12. Where are we Do you know what I mean? That is boring, isn't it? I don't want to be that kind of Christian. That's nepios. Oh, I'll be able to go to sleep and they'll feed me with my bottle before long. I hope the coffee's nice. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the sort of nepios attitude. We've got to pass through that and get to the other side. I better go a bit quicker. Okay. For 30 years, Jesus was the Son of God, but up until that point, Jesus had never been called Huios because he hadn't gone through all the stages of preparation. For example, he hadn't healed anybody. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't been tested in the wilderness. But now he's ready for that. And many Christians never become a huios and receive their inheritance because they fail to immerse into Christ, into the fullness of commitment to his church, and even into the processes of suffering that will get us there. Those who give in to fear, sin, unforgiveness, judging, offenses, complaining, etc., will never enter their inheritance. They will never find their identity. They will never become huios, sons and daughters. They remain as a nepios, a pedion, a technon. And so I ask myself and you this morning, what about you? What about me? What are we? Sometimes, you know, maybe I give in to a bit of nepios attitudes and start stropping a little bit. Maybe I play act a little bit like the technon or the pedion type of child. Or am I constant? Do you know, that's what I long for. I want to be constant. I want to be an example that people can look to and think, you know, I can see Jesus in that person. And when I get told that, I say, Lord, is for your glory. You receive the glory. Have a big mirror. Lord, get the glory, you know? Not get all puffed up about the whole idea. That's my heart. That's my passion. The Israelites never entered because of fear and unbelief and complaining. You remember when they got to Kadesh Barnea, the 12, the 12 spies went in, 10 came with a moaning, complaining, uh, report and then Joshua and Caleb came back with a favorable report but they could never enter that place until they died and only Joshua and Caleb of that generation went into the promised land because of their complaining look at this next slide oh it's frozen on me again this is in uh, in Romans can we can we get the, the doodah going bro is that possible here we go Okay, so God's heart for the sons of God to be revealed. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's we us, yeah? For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, children, technon, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. So the technon becomes the huios when they go through suffering, or when they're prepared for suffering, in order that we may also be glorified with him. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the huios of God. You see, this creation all around here in Soliath is waiting with eager longing. They don't even realize it, of course. But inside there's something of longing for the revealing of the huios of God. Revealing of you guys and me. All of us together, maturing, refusing to give in to the earlier immature kind of expressions, but walking the pathway towards maturity, to becoming those who are capable of inheritance and identity and fruitfulness in Jesus. Walking the pathway towards God. Almost finished. Though we all carry within us the capacity to be huios, we can slip back into being nepios and lose our inheritance. Lose our inheritance. Lose the prophetic mandate. Lose becoming into a new era. Lose all the prophetic stuff that was preached on the weekend away, and I know what you've been praying about for, for months. We can lose it if we refuse to go in the direction that God's got for us. Immersing ourselves into Christ and this church's vision and call will cause you to change your identity from being a spiritual slave or baby into a spiritually maturing son and daughter of God. So quickly, what are these implications then for SCF entering into our new era? Well, we all need to grow into a greater maturity to enter the new era. This means making an active choice today to move up to the next level. And what is it for? There's another one, by the way. I need one more slide. Thanks, bro. Leaders help transition from nepios to huios. Look at this final slide. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, is our word, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be nepios, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, guys, your leadership are there with a, mantle, a mandate from God and a mantle from God to so equip you and me that we stop being immature we stop being we are nepioses and we become huios. Are you willing to submit to the revelation of God that's coming through the leadership to this church? Because if you are, you're going to go into a new era and you'll be amazed by what God does. But if you're not, if you start there like a nepios or a technon or pideon, then you're not going to go anywhere. And Ben can preach as much as he likes. God take, moves the people. He's after the people. Not just after Ben and the eldership. He's after all of us. All of us together moving forward and on the pathway of maturity, entering the new era. He don't even know what it's like, what it's going to be like. Neither do I. None of us do. It's a prophetic word from God. And, you know, when, when God gave Abraham a prophetic word, it says, God, uh, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. He just heard from God and he obeyed God. And we need to be those people who tread this pathway towards maturity. Maturity then equates to taking responsibility to make the prophetic vision.
become a reality. So what do you see? And what are you prepared to support? Are you willing to allow the cross to cut off all hindrances in your heart and life? Are you willing to transition from being an immature person to a huios, mature son and daughter of God? Let me just close with some prayer because I know time is gone. Let's just pray. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Guys, I, I always like to give an opportunity to respond. So even though the hour's gone, please bear with me for another two or three more minutes. If you want to be like me and says, Lord, I want you to deal with this immature stuff in my life, especially if we've been some years in the Lord. So we should now be more mature, perhaps than we are. But if you want the Lord to deal with those immature things so that you can become that huios who not only has an identity but enters into an inheritance and begins to be used for God's glory to push this church into that new era that God's prophetically declared over us. If you're following that and you want to be like me, who needs prayer at this time, just open up your hands as I'm doing right now. Join me as I pray for us and this church. Father, you see these open hands. Lord, you see that we are real this morning. We're not pretenders. We're not just being religious, Lord, but we are real before you. None of us are perfect. We all give in to those immature things, and yet by your grace, you're calling us up higher. You're calling us to tread the pathway of the cross to get to a place of maturity, a place of brokenness even before you, a place where we say, Lord, I cannot do anything about these immature things, but you can, and so I submit my heart to you this morning, and I ask you to start doing a work in my heart. Help me to love the vision of God in this church, Father. Help me to love the leadership that you place in this church who carry the responsibility primarily to push this vision forward by the grace and, and enablement of God. And help me to become a huia son and daughter that is capable of supporting and pushing with them and taking this church along the lines that God has declared so that we become all that he wants us to be. Father, I ask you, to do a miracle of grace in each one of our hearts today for your glory and in Jesus' name.